What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Empower Up podcast with Mr. Byron Beasley and Steve Meehan. Just wanted to welcome you all to uh, just say thank you all for listening in. Uh, Our goal is to really just talk about video games and help inspire people that are looking to uh, build their careers in the video game industry. Uh, At least that's that's kind of my intent going forward. How about you, Byron? Anything you want to add to that? Um, Yeah, definitely. Um, I've definitely noticed uh, there's some common pitfalls um, with how, you know, common advice that people have given for getting into the industry or getting into any industry. And um, Mm -hmm. I know I'm still kind of starting out, but anything that I can notice as a common mistake that people make, I'd love to point out so that others don't make the same mistakes that I've been making. Right on. So, like... Let's go a little deeper into that. You you mentioned mistakes. Um, I know you're a recent uh, graduate, and uh, actually you're going into a a master's program. Um, but we're, what what are some of the uh, the challenges that you've had uh, just in your search for a career? You know, a pretty common theme amongst my friends uh, graduating or who recently graduated is that they felt pretty unprepared. Um, so getting that life, that real life experience, maybe not focusing so much on your grades, like your grades are definitely important, but I think there's a, I think it's the difference between a C and a B is a lot smaller than the difference between a B and an A. So that means mm-hmm. taking the time out to network, even while you're in school or taking some time to work on some personal projects, I would definitely at that point prioritize those personal projects. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go a little deeper into that. Why Why would personal projects be more important? Um, I think it's a pretty easy and verifiable way to see, to, to um, show someone that you understand maybe the technology. We're talking about the gaming industry, right? So showing the mm-hmm. technology, uh, showing that you know how to work with a team. Like you've worked on a game jam, you've worked on a long-term game. Um, it's one thing to work with others in class because you have to, but it shows a whole other level of dedication to work on a group project outside of class and finish it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that's something that um, employers are really starting to recognize is that uh, education, like a, a you know four-year degree, while it is still good to show something, um, there are definitely other ways of really proving that you have uh, a skill set because ultimately um, what companies are doing is they're looking for people that have the skills and the work ethic to be able to add value to their business. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about having a degree is that um, it's kind of like a, a social kind of agreement where yeah. um People like think that uh, or, or the way that it's branded is that if you have a degree, then that means you have a certain verifiable skill set. Yeah. The problem is that there are definitely people that go through school that for whatever reason, they're not able to get the grades or they know how to game the system. So yep. it still adds a bit of a like a question mark where, OK, if somebody graduated from this program, for example, like San Diego State, mm-hmm. um, you know, are they one of the people that work there? asses off and really did all of the work or are they the ones that kind of floated by and let all of their teammates uh, do all of the work because they they see the same degree right yeah, um, exactly. but sometimes there's still that question mark so um, having like you said having independent projects where you're showing especially like step by step the processes that you take uh, to put projects together um, I think that's huge and that's um, that is a lot more tangible evidence than just a, a 
paper degree that's got your name on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, excellent point. And I'll give you an example of a project that I've done uh, in that vein um, on my LinkedIn channel, which I mentioned to you guys in the last uh, podcast episode. Um, I actually had a series of tutorials I made to help people get up to speed on how to like implement their own music and audio in um, Unity. So these are games that I've made and I made it pretty easy for them to do that. So I kind of went through the step-by-step process and I've noticed that um, there's generally more trust once they've seen that, hey, you know what? He's he's done this. He has the GitHub. He definitely knows, you know, something. So we can train him on the rest of the stuff, you know? And one of the things that I love about that is, especially if you're taking these projects and if you're posting them on social media, whether it's LinkedIn or YouTube or whatever it is, you're inviting others to take part in your journey. Yeah. And that's a huge part in just building relationships and building trust with people um, because they feel like when people see your your project, they can become emotionally invested in your journey. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, um, that that's huge. And it's something that they may not get if you're just doing all of the work behind the scenes in school. Um, and this is why like import, uh, relationships are so important because a lot of tri- a lot of times that's how trust is built is through extended kind of interactions with other people. Yep. Um, and, that's that's something that uh, that you build just by talking to somebody, getting to know them, uh, communicating, and it's it's a lot more strong when it's done over a course of time instead of just them kind of seeing the final product. Because yeah. I mean that when you see the final product, you don't necessarily know all of the work that happened behind the scenes. You don't mm-hmm. see the challenges that people had to overcome in order to get this stuff done, yeah. right? Like two people can have the same GPA. Um, at a college, but who had to do that while working a full-time job, while dealing with family issues versus somebody that had a full-ride scholarship and didn't have to work and just kind of, you know, all they had to do was show up to, to class every day and they just focused on their, uh, on their school. While they might have the same uh, GPA, um, one had to overcome so much more adversity. And I think that's something that's extremely important in the work, uh, in a work environment is how do you deal with challenges and how do you overcome, you know, problems that happen in everyday life? Because it's not just about necessarily doing the work. It's like, how are you as, how are you as a human being in general? And it, it talks about, um, it shows what are the soft skills that you have, you know, those soft yeah. skills that are always listed on the, on the job descriptions. Are you a self-motivator? Um, you know, how fast you learn, things of that nature. Um, so while you might have the same GPA, same degree as someone else, um, for those of you who may not have that, there are still definitely ways of, uh, of making yourself more, um, more, I guess, more sought after as a candidate. So just something yeah. to keep in mind. And to dig into that a little bit more too, um, from my end, uh, I've actually done some interviews at a couple of AAA studios and, um, some recurring questions that I've noticed are, hey, you know, provide an example of, and then they'll give you a pretty specific case that they're experiencing. Have you, and they'll ask you if you're experiencing something similar. Uh, maybe that's not something that you'd ever come across in your in your classes. In my experience, sometimes the coursework may be a little bit more basic. So if you have that that um, those extra projects that you've worked on with with friends outside of school, that's just one more thing that you can talk about in an interview. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, something else that I've noticed in interviews is that um, a lot of times the interviewers will ask not what would you do uh, 
in hypo- hypothetical situations, mm-hmm. they'll ask, what have you done yeah. uh, when you've come across those situations? Right. And that's, it's a slight distinction, but it's super important um, because uh, the, the assumption is the best way to predict what a person will do is to see how they've acted in the past. Mm-hmm. So how, how has somebody handled challenges? How has somebody already handled, um, you know, dealing with, difficult customers if you've worked yeah. in a customer service job right like you know do. what did yeah. you do to smooth that situation or have you been in a team environment where somebody wasn't pulling their weight how did you respond to that mm-hmm. um because a lot of us have this this way of saying oh yes in that situation i would be perfect and i'd be very mature and handle it very responsibly um but if we're actually in that situation it might not go so well and um that's one of those things where you will only know from the experience if you've actually done it and if you've done it multiple times um, because there's a learning in that process that goes beyond um, just hypothetical situations. And that's why I'm, I'm a big supporter of real life experience as opposed to just the theoretical experience. Now, there is value in, in both of them, but I would much rather be um, work with somebody that's really been there and done that and knows what it's like because there are there's an education that you can get through something like that that you can't get through a book and uh, an example is something like swimming right yeah. you can read all of the textbooks <laughs> that you want about yep. swimming but you're not going to learn how to swim unless you actually get in a pool and flail around you know what i mean yeah. so yeah. very much same thing with the work environment is you know if you've been in a corporate environment and you've worked for 4 plus years um, that's that's knowing actually the ins and outs of being in that situation versus just uh, studying test cases out of a textbook. You know? Right, definitely. And I can speak to that as well. Um, so just for some background for you guys, um, I went through a recording and uh, audio design program at San Diego State. And um, we definitely had classes where, you know, I obviously I recorded and we had uh, our classmates be our, our uh, sample clients, right? And uh, whenever something doesn't go right in that situation, they're usually pretty patient with you. Um, they're super understanding, which, you know, makes sense in the classroom environment. But I also have the fortune of helping to uh, build a build a studio from the ground up at San Diego State called the Backdoor Studio. And I can think back to my first interaction with a client. They were definitely the complete opposite of how any of my classmates ever acted in that scenario. They were saying stuff that, you know, unprofessional. They were very short with me and it was kind of a lesson learned that hey you know i really do have to step it up to uh, because there's a whole di- there's a difference between you know like a real world studio and a real or and in the classroom setting so i think that's just one more example yeah and i mean i i'm i'm i don't mean to or my intent is not to um lessen the importance of education it's just making sure that for those of you who are who have only the education or not the actual work um, work experience, that you need to add that work experience to make yourself more uh, appealing as a as a candidate when you're applying to somewhere. Right. Because um, and one of the cool things is that a lot of the things that we would get uh, traditionally during a, a you know college education, these are all things that can be learned online now. Yeah. And uh, the importance of that is. Um, you can go at your own pace, so you can go faster than what schools allow. Yeah, sometimes. And, uh, and another thing is just having the, um, showing the discipline that you can create your own learning, pro- uh, your own, you know, learning goals. 
um, and show that you have the, the discipline to do it, that you can plan it out, that you can make adjustments as needed. Plus, you can go at the speed of um, at the speed of life, because a lot of times these programs are built in school where, you know, you have this four year degree that was planned several years ago. But by the time you get, you know, to your sophomore, junior year, um, some of the information can be irrelevant already. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing the, the individual education, you're seeing in real time how things are changing. So um, just one of the things to keep in mind as you uh, as you're looking for a career. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, school is important. And I actually wouldn't have had the opportunity to work at that uh, studio had I not been a student. So it all kind of comes into play. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I myself, I went back to school um, as a professional. So a little bit of history about myself. I was already in the video game industry for about 10 years or so. And then uh, I decided to go back to school to get my bachelor's degree in business. Um, part of it is just because I love learning. And a second part of it is because I knew networking was a huge aspect of just me going back to school. Um, and it would give me just that little more additional piece of credibility, um, you know, just just to just to have that uh, that degree on my on my resume. You know what I mean? But I also understood that it's not just the resume that's important. It's actual education while I'm there. And I've got to admit, I made several lifelong friends at uh, at San Diego State. Um, you know, I think that was one of the reasons that uh, maybe led to me getting uh the opportunity to talk at San Diego State because I was an alumnus. Um, but yeah, there's just one of those things where uh, it's not necessarily the the institution or the degree that's important. It's what education are you looking to get out of it that goes beyond just the paper document and the diploma. Yeah, I'm so glad we're on these topics too. I was actually just visiting some friends over the weekend that um, they graduated. Um, they're a little bit frustrated hey you know this isn't working out as well as i thought it would be um do you have any tips on we were specifically talking about like cover letters and applying and um are there any general tips or pitfalls to avoid um that you, that you see because i know you're a recruiter now on replay right uh yeah so just having the insights of being a recruiter um ultimately it comes down to two things you know the, there's a saying that goes Luck is where preparation meets opportunity, right? So preparation has to do with the actual work experiences that you're getting and the knowledge that you have and the skills that you're building. So do you actually have the skills to perform well in a job? And if you get a degree, I'm, I'm extremely confident that you do have the skills to work because I'm, I can guarantee that there are people, you know, if you've, if you've graduated from college, there are people that are less qualified than you with better jobs than you. Right. And that's just the that's where opportunity comes into play. And a big part of opportunity is just knowing the right people at the right time. Um, and I think there's some ridiculous statistic that like 80 percent of people have a job uh, because of somebody that they know. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how they got referred. And I. That's definitely been the case with me, I think. Maybe six out of seven jobs that I've had is because I was referred by somebody that I knew that already worked there. And if that's really the case, I mean, at least that, that's the case for me. Um, if you're not going out there and networking and building genuine relationships, uh, you're leaving yourself very vulnerable to um, just to the way that work 
happens in general because you have to think like how are how are you making the decision easy for the people that are hiring right so let's say for example if you have a hiring manager and they need to fill a position for an audio technician part of it is they're going to definitely search online to make sure that um that people have the skills the problem with searching online is you can find resumes you can find people on linkedin but all you're seeing is like their their curated highlight reel yeah. right how do you know uh, how can you validate how you know all of the stuff that they've done plus you know what do you how much do you know about their personality and you know very little right you see what they show on paper however if you have a coworker who says hey i know this audio tech you know they're amazing i've worked with them for 5 plus years here's their here's their portfolio not only do they have the skills but they're also awesome to work with and very fast learners and that's from experience right that's that's the trust and that's the credibility um just from knowing somebody who knows someone right because they're not going to recommend somebody that they dislike you know yeah. what i mean yeah. so you have to put yourself in the best position uh, to make it easy for the you know whoever the decision makers are mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah definitely and it's unfortunate um that was for me that was one of the pitfalls of my education we didn't really talk about um the aspects of business in that sense um definitely i was appreciative of learning like the foundations of what we covered but um i think you and i've spoken on that a lot where it's just there's a gap for sure there's a gap between i guess college graduate and job ready yeah absolutely uh, another one of the pitfalls i think is that um i think a lot of students go into the into the workforce thinking with the same mentality of a student and what i mean by that is when you're a student you go to school and the the teachers the professors are all spoon feeding you everything that you need to know they'll give you the textbooks they'll tell you what uh what um chapters to read they tell you what days the the tests are going to be and when you get into the workforce it's not like that uh i think people in, in my experience people are more promoted the uh, the ones that are more proactive are the ones that are more likely to get the jobs instead of the ones that just kind of sit at their desk and wait to be told what to do mm-hmm. um like i've seen a lot of people in the in the workforce that are kind of like that especially people that are just transitioning from out of college and they can do their work very well but they're not proactive enough to go out and find additional opportunities and if you take you know two equally skilled people but one of them has the drive to go out and make things happen they become a lot more appealing than the person that's just kind of sitting down and waiting to be told what to do so um i mean that's the thing is it's just a decision right it's about mindset is how are you seeing these opportunities yeah and it's up to you to take the information and it actually move forward with it because i mean for me there was a time where i had the wrong mindset and i was i i thought that hey if i just i i if i do my job and i do it well then i'm going to get promoted mm-hmm. but it took me 5 years as a tester to realize oh uh yeah that's not working so that's where going back to personal development came into play where i was like oh okay i can definitely be more proactive and not just think about myself but how am i helping the team as a whole um and when i started doing that when i started mentoring others when i started teaching how to be a great um a great tester instead of just me being that myself 
um, that's where uh, management re they recognized me more and they gave me more opportunities and I was able to get and leverage it getting promoted. So, I mean, that's the, that was my personal learning experience. And if I can, you know, provide some value to a listener by, you know, talking about my experience, that's, that's what I'm here for. Right. That's really cool that you mentioned that too. So it was kind of a process. It wasn't like an overnight thing. And even seeing the success you saw, it, it took, you said five years as a QA tester to kind of realize that and everything. Um, I had a pretty interesting conversation with a friend earlier today, and I kind of wanted to mention on the podcast was um, the idea of uh, delayed gratification. Um, there's there's a, a really great uh, bassist, a uh, music YouTuber that I follow called Adam Neely. He talks about one of the best skills that musicians gain isn't even something that is easy to, uh, to I guess, like verbalize. It's it's the idea of like they, they learn delayed gratification. They learn to put in the work consistently and um, over years, months to years, it's kind of like working out, right? It's not like you're going to instantly lose 20 pounds because you've been going to the gym for a month. Um, so I think that's a pretty big part is to keep in mind that you're working towards a central goal and the stuff that you're doing every day should hopefully um, reach that goal. So having that patience and I think what really separates uh, people that uh, are, are more successful or are higher leveled is not going all in at one time. It's making those consistent efforts on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. And that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. Uh, and it goes, amateurs practice until they get it right. Professionals practice until they can't get it wrong. <laughs> yep. And that's a huge like mindset change that, that blew my mind. I was like, oh my goodness, that's so right. Like how many times have we done something where like, oh, I got it right. I'm done. I'm over for the day. Yeah. Right. Versus seeing professionals do what they do. Like, for example, talking about um, examples of Kobe Bryant, you know, one of the best basketball players in history who would train jump shots 500 times each day. I mean, he was, he was a professional and he was already playing with the Lakers, but he would still go through that practice of training, you know, training his jump shot, training his different moves. And that's why he was one of the greatest of all time. And if you see any professional at like a world-class level, it doesn't just end, um, you know, once they get it right, they just constantly keep training and improving their skills. And that's the mindset that I think is really, um, it's what makes world-class elite talent really good is that they put in the time and effort and it's not just one of those things where they think um they think the goals are just going to be given to them no they understand that they have to put in the work put in the effort and then when they do that that's when that's when the achievements come right 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 and i know uh one of those things like uh, kobe's a great example oh well he's got something i don't have or he's just naturally gifted really they put in the, the work like if you listen to someone who puts in the work consistently i think if they're honest they'll say i have the time i hate doing this but i understand that i have to do it <laughs> mm -hmm. which i absolutely yeah uh, another one of the sayings uh, that i love is hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard mm. And touching on something that we discussed a little earlier is that there are some people out there that are brilliantly talented, but they don't have they don't have the opportunities because they're not putting in the work to actually go out and find the opportunity. 
movies, right? I, it, like, I'm definitely not the smartest or most creative person in the world, but I've earned so many opportunities just because right place, right time, knew the right people, and they trusted me, and they were giving me responsibilities, and I was able to, right? There were plenty of times where I was at work, and even though my title was a production manager, I was given the opportunity to do things like design projects or to write newsletters. And I'm not a writer, I'm not a designer, but somebody said, hey, this thing needs to be done. Who wants to do it? I raised my hand. I said, <laughs> me, I'll do it. They're like, hey, you know what? You want to take the responsibility? Go for it. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is like, I didn't have to be the designer or the writer in order to get it done. I just had to be able to problem solve to figure something out. So I could talk to a designer friend and say, hey, would you mind helping me out with this? Like I took the responsibility to say, I'm going to provide this result. But I also understand that I don't have to be the one that does everything. Right. So if I'm doing a presentation, my skills with PowerPoint are absolutely horrible. But I know friends that can help me out. Right. And because we have that relationship, either I can ask a buddy or I can hire somebody. And, you know, all people care about is do you get the results that we're looking for? And that's what I was able to do. So just being able to problem solve. Um, one of the things I, I mentioned earlier is that uh, it's not about resources. It's about resourcefulness. Yep. So how, how, can you, how can you make things happen even if you're not the most, uh, if you don't have the most resources out there? And that's one of the things that I love. That that's just mindset, creativity. How do you figure things out? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I recently picked up a new computer and I was like, shoot, I just realized I don't have a camera on this now. Maybe I should go buy like a $40 camera. Then I'm like, wait a minute, my phone's a camera. So I figured out an, a free app that I can use that I'm actually using right now to stream myself onto uh, Twitch. <laughs> Dude, that's freaking awesome. And yeah, it's just one of those things that a lot of times we have so many of the answers right under our nose. And it just takes kind of a second to step back and realize, you know, what do we actually have? So small decision that you made, you know, ended up spending nothing yeah. instead of going out and wasting money on you know wasting forty dollars yeah. on a uh, on a camera that you didn't need and yeah. this is something that happens in business all the time it's like can you problem solve without having you know especially a, a big budget and that's one of the things i love about like indie video game studios is that they're able to um they're able to problem solve in ways that big companies they don't have to bend their uh, brains that way because they just think that they're going to throw money at the problem and they end up wasting money. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think and that's, that's one of the things about being successful is a lot of times it's just understanding uh, resource allocation and how to use what you've got to get the results that you're looking for. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect all the time. It just needs to work. And then as you figure out how to solve these problems, then you understand how to get more resources and then you'll be able to do more things. But I've seen people with tons of resources and they're not very good at anything, right? Mm-hmm. For example, um, a basketball, right? Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's the potential value of having a basketball? Like for me, playing basketball, you, you know, nobody's going to pay me to play, but there are professional basketball players out there that can take that same ball and create so many amazing experiences for other people uh, so much that they're literally getting paid millions of dollars to use a basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just 
how's your mindset? How are you able to use your skills to um, and develop them so that people will pay you for it? Man, Steve, this stuff is really like near and dear to me. Like the stuff we're talking about right now as an artist doing doing music and anyone in any creative endeavor, right? They always say, if only I had this piece of equipment, I could do this. But I've seen so many times in like posts or interviews, they'll say, hey, here's my $5,000 camera for let's switch for a day and let's see who comes up with the better results. And that's all about foundation at that point. Foundation yeah, is the key. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> foundation is the key, right? And that's one of the reasons why I admire me so much because you can give me a, you know, multi-million dollar violin and I can't do a thing with it. You know, you give that, you give a, a $10 violin to a, you know, professional concert violinist and they're making amazing music. And that's just one of those things where you have to figure out what is the talent that you have and how can you develop it, even with the limited resources that you might have. So it's really about mindset and problem solving. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, this is super interesting. And then you also mentioned something earlier about uh, the difference between like indie um, and AAA with how they how they approach business. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the stuff that you've said that you've done lends itself really well to the indie scene because I've experienced with a lot of indie games, which is when someone has a task that needs to be taken on, if you have the, if you can deal with it, you have the time to deal with it, then you're willing to take on that task. And I think a huge part of like indie development is realizing that you're probably short staff, short on resources. So use each other as a resource as well, right? So I can do some programming, but in the last game development group I was in, I did the music, I did the sound effects, and I also programmed them in myself because the programmers were usually too busy on other parts of the game to get my sounds working properly. Mm -hmm. Yep. So just yeah, and, and yeah, and that's one of the things I love about indie development in general is that working at an indie studio gives you so much more opportunity to really build your skill sets, right? And because in my experience working at a AAA company, a lot of very um, very focused and siloed on the thing that you're doing. Like, for example, artists might just work on one type of artwork, um, just, you know, building, I don't know, trees for, you know, months and months at a time. And that's all they really get to do. Whereas if you're an artist in more of an indie scenario, you might have the ability not only to do artwork, character art, environment art, but you might be able to get your hands on uh, on marketing and production tasks and, and leading teams. Um, and one of the things that people should think about moving forward is like, what type of experiences are they looking to uh, to create and build for themselves? Um, because your value, the value isn't always just the money. Um, it, a lot of it is experience and who do you get to work with and what types of skills are you actually learning? Because I've seen people in AAA, you know, work on the same game year after year after year. And they're just bored out of their mind because they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, as opposed to people that I've seen make the transition from AAA to indie, and they absolutely love it because every day is exciting, every day is new because different, um, and it can be a lot more fulfilling, um, even if they're not getting paid as much sometimes. So, I mean, it's it's really up to you what's important to you, and find out how to get whatever career that uh, career path you're you're following. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
that's the uh that's even why a big part of why i started the podcast and you know i guess that's kind of a selfish reason as well but hey i love working with audio i love working with tech and and the jobs i've had so far I haven't had the, the chance to really do a lot of that so it's nice to be able to fulfill that in some way every week yeah and that's one of the reasons why i love working with you on this because it's a uh... It's your passion for it shows. Um, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit because I see a lot of people come to me for advice on how to get into the video game industry. And they talk about how passionate they are about video games. It's cool that you love it, but what are you doing with that passion? Because people aren't going to pay you just because you love something. They're going to pay you because you love it and you can add value some way, somehow to others, right? Um, so if you do love developing video games, like what's your what's your tangible evidence that you love doing it are you participating in game jams are you uh, taking classes are you building environments are you doing mods um those are ways that you can prove through your actions that you are actually passionate about something and and having those things even if it's not perfect it shows that you have the willingness to go and try and fail um and it shows that you're actually putting effort towards creating something as opposed to just saying, I love it and not doing any documentation or not going out and taking it. Um, but, you know, it's up to you. Like, how are you how are you taking your passion and turning it into a way where somebody will pay you for? It? Right. Definitely. And way back in the beginning of the podcast, we talked about uh, working on personal projects gives you a lot more to talk about when you have a potential employer. Um, I actually have a friend who um, mentioned, hey, I'm struggling with uh, working on some game design stuff. I want to go all in, but every time I do, I burn myself out. And I say, hey, don't burn yourself out. Just kind of do a little bit each time. It's also pretty important to finish because I think one of the biggest things when you're working on a team is understanding what works and what won't, what won't work. And the more projects you finish, the more you understand, like doing fast iterations, making sure it's polished, and then you work your way up to bigger stuff. And by the time you get to that bigger project, you're finishing it in half the time as if you had started in the beginning because of you already know these pitfalls to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the experience is so valuable and comes into play. Because when you start creating, um, if you're starting from scratch, you have to build all of the systems from the ground up. And a lot of times you're spending more of your effort and resources figuring out the process than actually doing the work. Yeah. Um, and you have to understand about your, understand that about yourself uh, because a big part of getting like creating amazing projects is finding a way to get into the rhythm and get into that zone where you're just focusing on creating and not the logistics of how to create and your systems and that nature at least that's my experience you know, i mean yeah. correct me if i'm wrong uh, if, if, if something different but you have to have like the systems in place uh, that allows you to get into that that flow where you're just hammering stuff out and time seems like it just flies because you're just yeah. focusing on the creation that's exactly that's what you should be looking for and that's why the systems are so important but you can't get the systems unless you actually go through the process of building it and figuring it out for yourself. I totally agree with that, Steve. Like something I noticed for myself, um, if I'm making a prototype in Unity or something like that, um, I used to just go in and start, okay, cool, let's make this. 
But now what I'll actually do now is I actually have an art sketchbook and I'll actually, I'm not an artist, but I'll sketch out the UI a little bit because that really helps. That's just saves me so much more time instead of programming and doing a UI at the same time. I have something that I can reference and it's just like you said, I'm getting to that flow that much more quickly. And uh, I just feel like I'm more productive that way. Yeah. And like, I love that. That's the example that you have. That's your system. That's your process. There are millions of other people with millions of other different processes. And that's where self-awareness really comes into play is like knowing yourself and how do you work best? Like some people work best, you know, at night, you know, early morning or afternoon. And that's one of the things you have to figure out for yourself is like where, how do you put yourself in the best position to succeed? Um, For me, it's, it's, it's still a learning process, right? I've, I've been a um, sort of a, a, a night owl for most of my life. And, you know, working a traditional nine to five, I'm, I have to, um, well, I have to wake up and work the, the normal societal work hours as other people. But how do I, okay, understanding that my brain functions best at night, how can I do things at that time to help prepare myself to succeed during the day? Um, so yeah, just uh, figure it out for yourself. There's a there's a great on um, what's called chronotypes and what uh, understanding what's the best time for you. And um, like there are four different sorts of classes. And uh, some people are night owls. Some people uh, work best during early mornings. And understanding that about yourself can really help you put uh, help put you in the best position to succeed. So something you guys might want to check out. Yeah, definitely that. That's so true. I think that's another thing. Um, like one of the gaps that people have to have to uh, have to meet after graduating from college, because um, so many times you'll do all nighters. But for me, that just hasn't worked out so far being in the workplace. Um, I'm dead. I don't want to talk to anyone or I'm just unproductive at work if I do that. And um, because in school you can get away with that kind of thing, you might think you can do that is in 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 life as well and personally mm-hmm. i've been seeing that that's really difficult for me to do like something i love to do is working out right so it's been really helpful to find a consistent time every day to do that or spend some time working on some music working on a new programming project um time management basically it's a huge one yeah and um routine getting those routines for yourself and i'm still learning and plus i have to adjust because i'm getting older now and my body doesn't recover like it used to back when i was you know high school and college i can't have those late nights going out and just doing crazy stuff and then get one hour of sleep and wake up and expect to be functional (laughs) um yeah I, i definitely need my rest now i need you know my coffee at certain times of the day i need to make sure that i eat like a big breakfast and that's one of those things where before I would have, you know, I'd have a horrible day. Um, I'd just be sluggish and not have any energy. And I didn't know why. But now I understand that, uh, you know, having a, a big breakfast, you know, with a lot of protein, that's something that's been super helpful for me just to not only have energy throughout the day, but not super worried. And there are tons of studies out there um, that will help you figure out what's the best routine for you. So, um, yeah, like whether it's sleep schedule or eating habits or exercise habits, 
um, they all come into play and they all affect how well you can perform. So, um, yeah, another piece of advice is just kind of figure out what are those things that work best for you. Yeah, definitely, definitely. This is going really well because the next thing, this actually leads into one of the next things I wanted to mention was uh, uh, like dealing with burnout. Um, I've noticed for myself mm-hmm. um, after graduating from college, right? Um, I'll work on a project and I'll think, okay, cool, I'm keeping a consistent pace. But I think I have a habit of overdoing it sometimes and really burning myself out just because I'll be tired and I'll still keep working on something. Um, so I guess, do you have any tips for dealing with burnout and how to avoid it? Dealing with burnout, one is, um, there's there's an entire like philosophy that I have on this. I think I mentioned this before, um, but it's having balance and balance in five different areas of life. Um, I've made it an acronym of it. it Fresh, F-R-E-S-H. So F is finances, R is relationships, E is education, S is service, and H is health. So that's how I make sure that I have, um, that I plan my week and my days to make sure that I'm doing things in each of those different areas. Um, That way there's enough variety in my life in all of the key components in, uh, in these pillars. And they're all very important because if any of them are neglected, they could they could adversely affect everything else. For example, if you're not handling your finances, how can that have a negative impact on your relationship, on your ability to serve others? Uh, how can it have a negative impact on your health? Um, same thing. If you don't have genuine relationships with people, um, how is that affecting your finances, right? How is it affecting your ability to um, just to have mental sanity? Right. If you can't bounce ideas and have, you know, be able to uh, just vent to people at times, Um, if you don't have physical health or mental health, how is that going to negatively impact your ability to make money or to learn? And that's why these things are all important. And I build it into my my daily and weekly routines, um, because those are all things that contribute to your physical health and your mental health and your emotional health. And without that, you've got nothing. Right. So that's part of the balance and making sure that you don't burn out is making sure that you're not spending too much time in just one area and neglect. So, um, for example, for me, things that I do is um, I try to encompass all of these different aspects of my life and doing it in ways that. Um, that revolve around video games because video games is my passion. That's the thing that gives me energy. That's why I'm doing this podcast because it's very tied to video game careers. And that's one of the things also that prevents burnout is doing things that you love, right? Nobody's, nobody's forcing me to do this podcast. It's something that, that naturally is giving me energy. Um, So finding the things that you love and then also building it around in Tying those into things like finances, like me talking about video games and helping de- uh, helping develop video games and doing that as a career, that gives me energy as opposed to things that I had tried before, like working at fast food, right? Definitely not something that really brought me joy or right. working, you know, at delivering newspapers, right? Very important to get the news to people, but that was something that drained me and made me exhausted and... um that's one of those things where you have to be honest with you. I understand not everybody loves video games like, but 
it's up to you to find out those things, um, you know, that that bring joy to your life. Like, I hate accounting. Definitely not my thing. That's what I studied, you know, coming right out of high school. I got a degree, uh, an associate's degree in accounting. Um, I don't, it's not for me. But man, I've talked to some people that do accounting and you would think that that's the greatest thing in the world is to be an accountant. And that provides energy for them. That's cool. They know that about themselves. That's not me. So let people do what they love and let them like really live that life and be happy for them that they found the thing that they love. Um, so yeah, all of these things all tie together and it's just about understanding what are those things for you like the pillars like the the relationships who are the people that are important in your life maybe you've got a small circle of like five or six friends and family maybe you've got a bigger circle like hundreds of people that you interact with on a daily um you know that's that's up to you or what are the things that you love to learn about like how are you filling your brain um with those things that you're just onto um you know the ability to serve. That's one of the reasons why I love this podcast because I'm using this as a way to serve other people that, uh, you know, that are figuring out their careers and especially people that want to work in video games. Hopefully my experience can somehow provide value to them and them have wake up and are, they're excited to go to every single day. Um, so this is me hopefully living this example of how am I balancing my life? How am I using video games and passion? Um, to not only live an amazing life, but also to just prevent burnout from happening. And this is this is my process for doing it. Definitely, definitely. And that's still something that I'm pers- pers- I'm personally still figuring out. Um, it's sometimes I feel like I'm better at it than other times. Um, particularly if I'm working on a like a passion project, I should probably still mm-hmm. leave some more slice some more time out for my friends or to watch like Netflix or working out or whatever it is <laughs> yeah and it's and, and the the focuses change as you you know as you live and as you grow and as you mature right there are times where you have to focus more on family a new kid maybe you have a new significant other and sometimes you have to pull time away from um, working so much or uh, maybe you don't work out on your crazy workout routine and you have to tone it down a little bit so you can spend more time on the important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a new family, that's not going to remove your responsibility to keep your, your body healthy and your mind healthy. So it's just about time management or self-management, right? Yeah. But you have to understand what are the pillars and be real with yourself. It's like, how well are you handling all of the responsibilities? And I don't want to give the illusion that I'm perfect at this um, by any stretch of the imaginations, uh, but it's just one of those things that I have to be mindful of. And I know that it's in my routine where, you know, on Sunday, I'll take a look at, say, okay, how well did I perform with regards to everything in fresh? And a lot of times I'm like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't hit my goals. Um, and okay, well, I can't go back and change it, but what I can do is change how I approach, you know, the next week and say, okay, this is a mistake that I made in the past. What am I going to do to fix it? And this is one of the things about life is that you deal with so many incoming challenges and problems. It's like, it's, it's how do you adjust and how do you handle all of this coming fire? Um, it, it's crazy, but it's fun. You know, once you understand what the rules are, then you're able to play the game more effectively. But that's why I developed this, uh, this acronym for myself 
so that it helps me helps me remind myself of what are the rules and what are the things that are important to me because now that I focus on that I play the game better as opposed to when I was younger and I made a lot of mistakes and I you know I messed up relationships in the past and you know there are times where my finances were in horrible shape my health was horrible because I wasn't exercising but that's because I had the wrong focus and I didn't understand the things that I know now. So yeah. this is one of those things where if I could talk to myself, like as a high schooler, as a, these are some of the things that I would teach them is how to just have a balanced life. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny too. Uh, something that came to my mind when you mentioned like, oh, maybe you're starting a family, uh, but you still want to stay fit, right? It, it always kind of cracks me up when I'm driving on, when I'm driving on the street and I see it, uh, mom or dad uh, with their kids in a stroller and they're just going for a jog while pushing them. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's how you do it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's it. And for me, one of the things that, uh, you know, exercise and health, that's very important to me. And how do I incorporate that with video games? We talked about this before. I play games like Beat Saber mm-hmm. um, and, and Ring Fit Adventures. That's because that's me using my passion to enhance my health. Yeah. Right. And I could go out and, you know, go for an hour long run or something like that, which some, I do. I still do sometimes because I love running. Yeah. But in finding ways to incorporate video games into it, that's awesome. And when I'm able to do that with loved ones and play video games, um, yeah, I play a game called Just Dance. And it's, I'm not the best dancer in the world. Actually, I'm quite horrible at dancing. But being able to play video games with people that I love and still get exercise, you know, that's that's a conscious decision that I make because it fits those pillars of my life. Yeah, totally, totally. And a uh, little uh, fun fact here, Steve. I Did you know I actually uh, was in a commercial for Just Dance <laughs> before? What? Yeah. When was this? Back in, I want to say 2015, 2016, something like that. How did that happen? Oh, well, you know, how I, well, I'm from the LA area, so you guys know uh, my high school at the time. Um, um, since we were so close to LA, we had a partnership with VH1. They donated a bunch of instruments to us, and then me and a few other leadership in choir and band actually went to a, uh, an event in Hollywood put on by, by them, and to thank us for that. Uh, they actually invited us to a private concert by Megan Trainer, and it was sponsored by Just Dance. <laughs> no kidding. So wait, you were in a commercial for Just? I want to see video of this. We need to find <laughs> this on YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah, and I would love to see that, like on your, on your, uh, your profile, <laughs> on your reel of highlights. You know, Byron dancing in Just Dance. That would be awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Anybody was... listening out there, if you can find that, I'll pay you for it. No, please don't find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that, that's so cool, though. Right place at the right time, right? Mm-hmm. And because you were part of this organization that was adding value to others, like you didn't ask to be in this commercial. Yeah. It was just one of those things where, as a thank you, they they gave you that opportunity, right? And so much of so many opportunities happen that way where you're just out giving and helping others. And then it's the law of reciprocity. People want to, you know, if you help them out, naturally, people want will want to help you in return. Definitely. Some awesome example of that. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I just I love this topic. It's just something that's just so uh, I've been thinking about so much. Uh, I've listened to a music business podcast literally called the music business podcast. 
and um mm-hmm. even part of that was we were willing to help them out right so then they repaid the favor um well i saw this really cool podcast episode by these guys from switzerland 22 and 25 running a highly successful business in like distribution for music and stuff like that and they said one of the keys was networking and they did this by um they were in Switzerland, but they had time out every month to go to the U.S. and different territories to actually um, build those business connections. And they said that people are really willing to help you when they see that you're willing to go out of your way to meet with them like that. Yeah. And I I think that's probably one of the keys to all of the professional successes that I've had is that I went with the mindset of how can I help other people? And a little bit of background is I used to work at, uh, at Sony PlayStation at uh, San Diego Studio. And one of the games that they make is MLB The Show. And there were so many amazing opportunities that I got to, for example, go out to different, um, different ballparks and help take pictures of these world-class major league baseball stadiums um because i volunteered to help when nobody else would and an example is there's one um there's one photographer that uh he didn't like he didn't like heights that much and uh, i volunteered to go with him to take pictures of the stadium and i volunteered to take the camera and go up to all of the highest spots in the stadium and you know just take pictures for him and I got that opportunity for me to be able to a baseball stadium and nerd out and just go behind the scenes while it was completely empty and take pictures. And then not only that, but through that opportunity as well, um, I ended up getting uh, access to the dugout for the home team while the game was going on. So I was there on the field watching all of these millionaire baseball players, you know, at their craft first you know first person view and i got it just because i volunteered to help somebody take pictures because he didn't like heights um i just wanted to be of service and when i did that these opportunities just came flooding to me and then not only that but um you know word got around and i was able to help other people you know people would other of the other artists would invite me to their stadiums to help out um, and it was just that one act of, hey, can I help you out? And then that was part of my branding. People understood that I was just, hey, you need me to do something? I'll figure it out. And then, boom, that's how I leveraged it into so many amazing experiences. Awesome. Awesome. And, uh, well, Steve, believe it or not, we're already almost at the hour. It doesn't feel that way to me at all, but... Um... You've talked about a lot over the course of the podcast. Are there any like closing words, closing statements you'd like to leave them with? I mean, this goal is always going to be the same. How can I take my experiences and my um, my resources, whatever it is I can provide, and how can I help you find a life that that you're absolutely excited to wake up to every single day? And uh, that's my focus moving forward. Um, and I just hope that. It, Somehow I can communicate with you and we'll figure this out. And, uh, you know, that's my goal. And as long as I focus on being of service to you, I'm sure amazing things will happen to me in return. Uh, there's a saying that goes, uh, you'll get everything you want in life if you help enough people get what they want. And yeah. that's what my focus is with this podcast. 
Definitely, definitely. And I, I personally, I just love helping people. Um, that's always been something about me. Um, I actually had a boss who, um, in my opinion, didn't treat the cohort, didn't treat us the best. Um, but it was interesting. Uh, my takeaway from that was I want to be even kinder to people because I don't want anyone feeling the way that they made me feel. So definitely that's my goal of this podcast. And I do hope to get something out of it, um, moving up in my career as well. But it's just as long as there's something that you guys are getting out of this as well. Cool. Right on, Mr. Byron. Thank you so much as always. Um, thank you listeners out there. And uh, yeah, that's yeah. it for me. Thank you so much. All right. See you guys. See ya.